You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with the fall guy. What are you doing later? Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes. Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall guy. Fall guy. Fall guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Nope. Because I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Rated PG-13. Get ready for the greatest roast of all time: the roast of Tom Brady. A Netflix live event happening May 5th, hosted by Kevin Hart. The seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. And a good afternoon, everybody. I hope everybody is doing well. We talk about last night's game in Buffalo little NBA. We talk about uh, some news off the court as well. Uh, We start with the National Football League last night. Listen, Bill Belichick and that coaching staff, they're just unbelievable. They really are. I mean, I think that you could go into Buffalo, 80,000 people, that kind of win, and run the ball all but three plays and still win and dominate the line of scrimmage. I mean, you want to talk about smash mouth football. I mean, that was impressive. That was very impressive. And if you're looking at this from Buffalo's perspective, they got real problems now. They got real problems if uh, you're looking at Buffalo. Uh, I could see them, and they were my pick to be the number one seed in the AFC. I thought they were. this was going to be their year. But clearly, uh, I was way off base on the Buffalo Bills. And you look at their schedule now. They go to Tampa, home against Carolina, at New England, Atlanta, and the Jets. Now, If they lose to Tampa and lose to New England, they should be able to beat Carolina, Atlanta, and the Jets. I say should. But then you look at New England, and are they going to end up as the top seed in the AFC? I mean, they've got a tough schedule, but so what? I mean, anyone that's playing New England right now will tell you that they've got a tough schedule. Patriots with a week off. Then they go to Indianapolis. Then they have Buffalo at home, the Jaguars at home, and the Dolphins at home. There you have it for the Patriots. Nine and four. You know, if you figure the Jaguars is definitely a win, that's 10 wins. And, you know, worst case scenario, I say they split their next two games. That's 11 wins. I think they beat Miami in the final week of the season. That would be 12 wins. Now, I don't even know if that game will be important to New England. But I got to give Bill Belichick all the credit in the world in that coaching staff. You know, he probably had two game plans. You know, a a game plan where it was going to be cold and no wind and another game plan where it's going to be very windy. When's the last time you watched an NFL game where a quarterback only threw three passes, right? Incredible. And, you know, if I'm a Bills fan right now, I've got to be asking myself, What the hell has gone on? What on earth has happened to the Buffalo Bills? All right, other news, and this is interesting, coming out of the NBA, all right? Starting, uh, I'll give you the exact date, but again, looking at the, the news in the NBA as it relates to COVID, NBA has sent a memo, all right? All unvaccinated players with temporary visa status, when they leave the country, they will be unable to re-enter the United States. All right? So if you're not vaccinated for COVID-19, you would not be able to re-enter the United States after playing in Canada. That would also apply if you're not vaccinated and you want to travel outside of the country during the all-star break. So like, let's say you want to go to Cabo or you want to go to anywhere in Mexico. Nuh-uh, can't happen. So unvaccinated players will no longer be allowed to travel to Toronto beginning January 15th, according to a memo that teams received on Friday. And players, by the way. 
Now, new Canadian law mandates that all visitors, all visitors that enter the country have to be vaccinated. And if you meet the criteria, you're allowed to enter Canada and it, it, you know, the whole world is upside down right now. It really is. You know, I, I, I don't get it. So under the law, anybody who meets the criteria for limited exceptions, then would have to quarantine for 14 days. Like, why the hell would you want to go to Canada? Why would you want to go anywhere if you have to quarantine for 14 days? Now, the NBA has said 97% of its players are vaccinated. I wonder how many of those are in an Antonio Brown situation, right? Do we think that everyone's on the up and up when it comes to NBA? I'm just asking a question. All right, if you want to get on the show today, raise your hand, hit that hand icon, and we'll get you right on. If you want to talk about that game last night, and boy, if you're a Bills fan, that was the game that you had circled, Monday night game, arch rival, at home, brutal weather, and you let New England come in and spank you. And I say spank you because they dominated the line of scrimmage. They maybe not spank them on the scoreboard, but they dominated the line of scrimmage. Very impressive. Very impressive indeed. I mean, there's nothing else you can say. Kyle, welcome. You're on with Grant on Listen App. How are you? I am fantastic. I'm so glad the Patriots won last night. Well, the way they won was just unbelievable. I mean, to think yeah. you can win a game in the NFL by only throwing the ball three times is pretty remarkable. I've been watching football for 19 plus years, Grant. I have never seen a Patriots game with only three pass attempts. That was just crazy. I've been watching football since 1962 at Yankee Stadium. And I've watched, you know, I watched Jim Brown play. And I mean, Jim Brown, to me, still the greatest running back of all time. You know, there was never a team that he played on where they only threw the ball three times. And that's freaking Jim Brown. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. I watched... um sean mcdermott's interview last night yeah and um he made a great point their lack of execution in the red zone really killed them i think uh you know you ex i think he said they executed one out of four trips to the uh to the red zone yep you get at least two there you win that football game how about that if you don't miss that field goal and again i know it's windy so i'm not blaming it on the kicker but you know if they if buffalo makes that kick then at the end of the game they're in field goal range but again as you could see last night and i love the fact you know, that New England didn't even try the extra point on the first touchdown. I thought that was another yeah. brilliant job by the coaching staff. Right, exactly. So a good week. You know, I know a lot of people say, no, you don't want to have a week off. You got momentum, seven games in a row. I actually think having a bye I in December is great. I think it's great to have a absolutely. bye this time of the year. I think so, too. I mean, there's no one that's playing that's, uh, you know, not banged up. Now you get an extra week. And if you don't end up as the number one seed, you know, you don't get a week off before the playoffs start. And to have a bye in the middle of December, I just think is huge. This is the latest. Any teams, uh, there are four teams that have buys this week. Miami's the uh, another one. But the only, this is the latest that teams have had buys in the National Football League. Uh, you know, Grant, I've, I've always been a fan of the late buy, too. I like, um, you know, especially if you're in the playoff chase, playoff yep. hunt. You know, it gives you kind of a, you know, advantage to rest your body and, you know. I don't know. Well, just... here, here's the deal. If if New England wins in two weeks at home against Buffalo, they're going to win the division. All right. So they'll they'll win the division. Uh, obviously, they would have the tiebreaker. And then the question is, are they going to be able to end up ahead of Kansas City with the number one seed? So there's a long way to go. And I say it's a long way because you still got four games. But New England right now at nine and four. You know, Kansas City at eight and four. We'll see. Uh, you know, again, if Kansas City wins this week, and I think they will then they're tied with New England at nine up and four down. Right, right. I got one more question for you. Um, if the Patriots were to play Kansas City in the playoffs, who would you uh, who would you pick? Fabulous question. Uh, a lot would depend on where the game is at. If the game is in Kansas City, I would pick Kansas City. If the game were in New England, I got to tell you, I, I'm, I, I might very well go with New England because of, of the way they play both sides of the football. And – Here's the unknown. We're waiting for Mac Jones to have a bad game. Now, last night, I mean, all he had to do was hand the ball off. But the point is, Mac Jones won a national championship last year, but that's in college. Now you get into the playoffs, it's a whole different animal. And, we, and there is an unknown with a rookie quarterback in the NFL playoffs for the first time. 
I would certainly like New England's chances a lot more in a home game than I would in Kansas City in that environment. Now, yeah. again, Jones has not been rattled at all. Uh, he has shown amazing poise. He looks like a quarterback that's been in the league five or six years. But I think you would agree that would be a daunting task to have to go into Kansas City and win a game. Oh, boy. <laughs> yes. I was afraid. I was afraid even last night. <laughs> yeah. Well, he keeps on defying uh, the odds and just keeps on winning and winning and winning. And he's so poised. Uh, you know, he doesn't make mistakes. And that's another thing you really love about him. He does not really make mistakes. No, he doesn't. I'll tell you, if the draft were held all over again, okay, and I really mean that, if we could have the draft held all over again, would Jacksonville take him over Trevor Lawrence? Yeah, I bet you they would. You know, and again, I understand that New England has a lot of people around Mac Jones to make it work, whereas Jacksonville's team is is terrible, and that would go for the Jets too. But based on looking at Mac Jones right now, if the draft are held all over again, I can't imagine him not being the number one pick. Right. Yeah, I agree. But then, you know, I would hate to see him go to a bad team like Jacksonville and yep. him just, you know, it, it really – to me, in my mind, if if you're gonna ha- if Jacksonville's gonna take a quarterback like Mac Jones, you know, it, I don't know, just a bad. Well, here here's the question. Here here's the way I think you asked that question. If New England had Trevor Lawrence, would they be nine and four right now? And who knows? Know. You know, I I'm, I know, but I mean, probably not. I probably not. Correct. I agree. All right, listen, man. You have a good rest of the day. I always appreciate your call. Congratulations you too, on sir. the win. Yep. Thank you Thank so you. much. I appreciate yep. it. Big uh, New England fan, uh, and Kyle lives in Atlanta now, and uh, he went to the game a couple weeks ago on that Thursday night in Atlanta. But just uh, an incredible, incredible that you could run the ball the whole game and win. <laughs> Preston, you're next here on Listen App. Hi, Preston. Hi, Grant. Um, I saw, uh, I think maybe it was about a week or so ago, I wanted to ask you about this, um, that – about uh, Ahmad Aubrey's uh, father, about yes. his like remarks, and I was wanting to know what your thoughts were on that. The same thoughts uh, as George Floyd's brother uh, after Derek Chauvin was uh, convicted of murder when he came out onto the steps of the courthouse and said, do black lives matter? Yes, but all lives matter. And then Mr. Yeah. Aubrey saying the exact same thing. Uh, I, I don't know why this is such big news. I guess I, I'll back up. I'm not really sure why when I said all lives matter, every single one, there are those that still look at that as racist. I don't know how anyone on planet Earth can look at the comment, all lives matter, every single one, and come up with anything that has to do with racism. Uh, it's just, it, But that's the country that we're living in, and it's a very sad country that we're living in. But I was grateful uh, to see... Uh, Mr. Aubrey, I was grateful, and I can't remember George Floyd's brother right now, so forgive me uh, for coming out. And they basically uh, made mirror statements about all lives matter. Uh, yeah, and I was just, I was wondering if it made you feel any better, I, I guess. I mean, not that you felt bad, but like if it just justified uh, it, 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 it. That's a fabulous question. That's a great question. Uh, I mean, it, like, it, the, you know what? It, yeah. it, it. it it, it, I, I'm, I'm trying to think about how to answer this correctly because once I say it, it's out there. Yeah. Yeah. It, it made me feel better, but it also makes me feel worse. And I know that's an oxymoron <laughs> because, because like I'm grateful that others are not afraid to come out and say that. But I'm going to ask the question because I think it needs to be asked after I finish my answer is, but on the other side, that's what I said. And I lost a career over it. Why should the color of your skin matter when you make a comment? All lives matter. Like all lives matter is pretty self-explanatory, especially when I add onto the tweet every single one, and I put every single one in capital letters with three exclamation points. That means you, that means me, that Mm -hmm. means the person across the street, the person on the other side of the ocean, all lives matter, every single one. And yet I'm because of my skin color, I'm fired. I mean, again, had I been a person of color and made that comment, does anyone out there think that I would have lost my job? I mean, of course not. So, you know, I have, I have different emotions when 
in these high profile cases, and both were extremely high profile, you know, relatives of the victim, one being a brother, one being a dad, come out and tell the world that all lives matter. You know, we need to listen to what people are saying. All lives do matter. And all lives matter when it's a comment, regardless if it's made by a person of color, whether it's made by an Asian or Hispanic or a white person, is not a discriminatory comment. All right. Mm -hmm. All right. At at least it wasn't when I came out of my mouth. I'm not going to speak for anyone else. But when I made the comment on social media, uh, it was in no way, shape or form a discrimination comment. It was not a racist comment. It was a comment of what I believe in and how I was raised. I mean, again, not to go off on a, on a tangent here, but in mm-hmm. my religion, the Unitarian Universalist, the very first of seven principles is the inherent worth and dignity of every person. That's I learned that line at an early age, the inherent worth and dignity of every person. That's how I was raised. That's what I believe in. I'm mm-hmm. never going to apologize for saying all lives matter because that's what I believe in. I would hope that the vast majority, and I mean the vast, vast majority of people would believe that as well. And I don't know if this is something you could talk about, but like, um, like in your lawsuit, yes. is that something you could like even like make your case on? Like, be like, oh well, I mean, he said it, so I mean, why should I? Well, be? it is um, the, in in the amended uh, complaint that was filed uh, in court uh, a couple of days ago. Uh, mm-hmm. All of those scenarios that you are referring to are in the amended complaint. Okay. All of the uh, the comments from George Floyd's brother uh, and from Mr. Aubrey, both of those are in my complaint. Yeah, I, I was like, wow, that, that was like so ironic. It's not like he knew that you said that or whatever. It's just like, wow. Well, you know, it, it, it boils down to me, Preston, as common sense. I mean, we really need to stop with the nonsense in this country and deal with common sense and, and try to <laughs> like, okay, let's take a deep breath. Let's take a step back. Let's examine someone's body of work and let's figure out what is it that they really were trying to get across. And nobody wants to do that in America anymore. And it's really, it's really sad. I mean, yeah, we're not, I think we're kind of at the end of the era of common sense. Yes, we are. Yes, we are. And uh, it's a sad, sad, sad state of affairs in this country. Yeah. And I I mean, I don't. I think I've talked to you about this, but I, I mean, I think the media has definitely played a big part in all of this. So 100% anyway, but I don't know about you, but I can't remember the last time I put on a network news program, whether it was cable news or over the air. I honestly cannot remember the last time I watched news. And I'll tell you why is I don't know if what I'm listening to and watching is the truth. I don't know if it's to uh, fulfill someone's agenda. And so I've just walked away from the news. I don't watch it anymore. I just don't watch it anymore because it's not believable to me anymore. Yeah. And it's like really interesting, like how you talk to other people like from other countries and just like how they talk. Well, I mean, I was talking to somebody and they were telling me about how they used to cover international news. And it's like now they don't even cover that anymore. Unbelievable, huh? it's just yeah and like i would like i was talking to somebody from um south africa and they were telling me about how you know we have it so good here and stuff and it's just like they they can't believe how they can't believe how they how we just think that um how how good we have it here yeah and i think a lot of the people that live in this country that maybe haven't had a chance to travel outside of this country they don't understand how fortunate they are and how truly lucky they are because I am blessed and I have traveled around the world. And there's a reason. There's a reason why so many people from around the world try to get to America to live and make their home. All right. There's a reason for that. And unfortunately, there are too many people in this country that are ungrateful for what this country provides for them. And if they had the opportunity to travel particularly to third world countries, and there are many of those around the planet, they would come back and have a completely, in my opinion, a completely different viewpoint of what living in this country is all about. Like just for example, about like uh, how how hard it is to like get a visa and just how expensive it is to even try to move to the United States. Like you can't, I think, 
Yeah. You can't, there are a lot of countries where you can't even get a visa to come to the United States. I mean, their own country will not allow them to leave. And the reason for that is they know they're not coming back. Most of them will not return. And so they getting a visa is very, very difficult. That's a great point. I have a lot of friends uh, actually who have told me that that live in other parts of the world and they want to come to America and they don't they, they really do want to come here to visit and, and then go back. But they can't even get a visa because their countries feel that there are too many people that just don't come back. And they, and they don't they don't want to. Not only that, but it's just like it's too expensive for them to. Yes. <laughs> you know, I met I met yeah. a I, I, I don't know if you heard this story. So when I moved here, there's a place that I frequent for lunch. And this was months ago. And one of the waiters is outdoor restaurant at a very uh, nice little marina called Bayside. Little, you know, just a place to have a beer and a hamburger or, or whatever, or a flatbread pizza. And I mean, so it's a pretty basic place. So anyway, uh, I got to know one of the waiters and his name was uh, Roberto. And so we would start talking. And then I found out that he was from Cuba and that, you know, he, uh, he and his wife uh, and, and two kids live over here and he works hard and he's proud to be in this country. So I didn't see him for about three months. Uh, when I went there, he was not on the shift. He had not been working. And then I was gone. And so anyway, he came, I, I was in there and he comes up to me and he goes, I want to show you something. And I'm like, okay, what do you want to show me? Takes out his phone and he shows me a picture standing in front of the courthouse, waving an American flag and tears start coming down his face. And he goes, I'm an American citizen. And I was like, Roberta and I stood up and I gave him a hug and I said, welcome to America. I am so proud of you. He goes, greatest day of my life to become an American citizen. And then he tells me, he goes, he goes, Hey, I just want to work and I want to provide for my family. I don't want any handouts. I don't want like to, you know, depend on the government. I want to work. And he said, my next goal is to buy a house with a swimming pool so my kids can go swimming. And I'm just thinking, wow, the American dream, somebody that came from an oppressed country like Cuba, who made it over to the United States, worked his ass off, did everything he was supposed to do and got his citizenship. Mm -hmm. I just, to me, like, I just wish everyone could have seen what I saw that day, the pride and joy on his face to tell me. And we had an emotional moment. I put it all over. My, I said to him, I go, Roberto, yeah. can I put this on my social media? I want people to see how awesome this is. And so um, that to me is what America is about. And, you know, when I, uh, there's too many ungrateful people over here right now. And I think it's a real travesty. I really do. Is our country perfect? No, there is no perfect country on the planet. Our country is not perfect. But I'll tell you right now, yeah. it's a hell of a lot better than most other countries. It almost seems like if we don't realize how grateful we have it here, huh. it's not going to be too long. It's not going to be too long before we are going to lose what we have. If that makes sense, yeah, it makes perfect sense. Uh, we are very fortunate, and unfortunately, too many people do not recognize that. So, you know, you asked yeah. a really good question, and I'm glad you asked that question because it brings out different emotions in me when I hear a person of color. And the reason why I say a person of color is I've met so many uh, people down in Florida that have now become really some of my very best friends and mm. some don't want to be referred to as African-American. They want to be referred to as black. I have a black friend that doesn't want to be referred to as black. She wants to be referred to as African-American because her dad is from Nigeria. Then mm -hmm. there's another gentleman that I was having dinner with who I thought was African-American and we were speaking at dinner. He says, I'm not African-American. I said, Oh, I, I really apologize. He go, I go, I'll, I'll just, you know, black. He goes, no, I'm not black either. And he goes, you know, I'm from an island in the Caribbean. And we talked about it. And I'm like, hey, I, you know, again, so like you learn as you go along. So now I just say people of color because, you know, I think that most, most, and I'm only speaking for most people that I've talked to, most white people in America think that the proper term to call a black person is African-American. Well, I've met several people in Miami that are people of color that don't want to be referred to as African-American. They have told me they would prefer that I, if I'm having a conversation, I would refer to them as black. So <laughs> that's, it's just, again, you know, you I've may never heard that before. <laughs> I know, but I, I well, the, and, and here's the reason why I brought this up. So shortly after I lost my job, Emmanuel Acho has a, uh, a, a program, Uncomfortable Conversations with a Black Man. 
And mm. so I was watching all of his episodes. He was doing them rather frequently. And he had on a couple from the uh, Home Garden TV network, a couple that I can't remember the name, but they live in Waco, Texas. So he asked Emmanuel that very same question. Hey, wh- how would I refer to you? Do I refer to you as black, African-American? He goes, no, you would re- refer to me as black, which I then found very interesting because of the Nigerian roots. And he has a Nigerian name, okay? Because the reason why, and the reason why I'm going back full circle is the gal that I met, who I actually did a podcast on. I talked about meeting her and have become such great friends with her family. Her dad is from Nigeria. And so when I asked her, what, would you like me to refer to you in a conversation as black? She goes, no, I would like you to refer to me as African-American because my dad is from Nigeria. But Emmanuel answered the question, no, you would just say black. And that's not right. Emmanuel Acho gave the wrong information. And he's on, he's doing uncomfortable conversations with a black man. And so like I now, I just ask questions. Like if I'm not sure, I just ask. I And I give, I, again, not to like pat myself on the back or whatever. It's just the way it is. Mm-hmm. 90%, not exaggerating, 90% of my friends in South Florida are people of color. And I've talked to each and every one about all of these topics and they've all given me their opinion and their take and how they want to be referred to. And and they, I'll tell you what else is mind boggling. The vast majority of them told me they're embarrassed by the black lives matter movement. They don't want anything to do with it. They're Mm -hmm. a complete proponent of the lives of black people and obviously police reform and police brutality, but they are, they're embarrassed by the Black Lives Movement. They don't want anything to do with it, the Black Lives Matter movement. So again, other things that I've learned just from being down here, and not to go off on a tangent, but because nobody knows me down here, they don't know me as a basketball announcer or as a talk show host, they don't know me at all. So when I meet somebody, you know, we start with a very basic conversation and work our way up, and you develop just a different sense of, I don't want to say trust, but just friendship, I guess. And so I've met some phenomenal, mm. phenomenal people down here. And I've talked to all of them, every single person that I've met down here. I've had the same conversations with them that you and I are having right here. And I've been fascinated by some of the things that they've told me. And it almost seems like that was probably the best move that you could have ever made. It was a move that I did not want to make that I was forced to make. But in retrospect, I don't think I could have come to a better place than South Florida because of the diversity down here. Because in South Florida, you have a lot of people from Cuba. You have a lot of people from South America, many people here from Colombia, from Venezuela, from Brazil. Then you have, you know, obviously a a very uh, large uh, population, black, African-American as well. And so it's kind of like a melting pot. And Mm -hmm. it's the, the, the attitude down here is so different than in California and people don't mind like talking down here. Like I have people are like a lot more friendlier. Yeah. They're just the conversations that people have down here is like, and I've met some people that we have difference of opinions, but Mm -hmm. we're still friends and we're still, they don't hate me and I don't hate them. We don't, we don't like hold it against somebody if they have a different, you know, opinion of me. I, I met a guy, his name's Isaiah and he was living in Los Angeles and he was a decorated war veteran. And he told me that the greatest thing that he ever done in his life was serving in the military because he was such a patriot. And he told me a story that he was in LA uh, shortly after a, uh, a murder of uh, a black individual. And I can't and forgive me for not even. And unfortunately, mm-hmm. there are too many. I, I and forgive me for not even. Uh, you know what? Actually, I take that back. It was after George Floyd's murder. I beg your pardon. It was. And he told mm-hmm. me he was driving through L.A. in a SUV, and he said that he got pulled over. Now, by the way, his job now he is in special security. He does uh, uh, security for high end people. So he is, he has his own company and does security for very well-off people, high-end people. So he said he got pulled over, okay, in Los Angeles, was accosted to get out. When I mean accosted, he was, he didn't do anything wrong. Uh, He was fearful. He said that he was made to get out of the vehicle, uh, told them who he was 
And one of the cops that ended up coming on the scene recognized him and it changed everything. But this experience, okay, now think about this. This guy is 41 years old, loved serving his country, was a proud war veteran, medals, everything, multiple tours of duty, loved the United States, told me mm -hmm. that that incident has completely changed his opinion of this country and his patriotism. Think about that for a minute. And, you know, so like you or me, and I say you, but me, mm -hmm. I would never endure that. I would never get pulled over driving through L.A. and have that happen to me. But because he was black and he he went through that experience and I was just like, wow. And we I talked with Isaiah. He was here in Miami visiting a friend of mine. And we yeah. sat outside of this restaurant. We talked for three hours about all of this stuff. And I was just like, I was in, I, I was just like, wow. I said, Isaiah, so you're telling me that your love for this country is completely different over that incident. He said, absolutely. He goes, I've seen the other side. And he said, it's completely changed my love for this country. And I was like, wow, how mm. sad is that? But yet yeah. he experienced it. I didn't. But think about that. A decorated war veteran, multiple tours of duty, 41 years old, patriot, could not think of anything better to do than serve his country over that experience now has a completely different opinion of the United States. I just have one more thing for you because I don't want to take too much of your yeah. time. But Well, I love it. I, this is a great conversation. Go ahead. Yeah. Um, so I really feel like because I because I did this a few years ago. I used to, I, w I lived in Ohio for two and a half years. I lived around the, in the Dayton area. And, um, I mean, I had family there and everything. I mean, I had a reason to go there, but it was it was a good thing for me to, uh, I guess, adventure out and get to new get to get familiar with a different area and get to get familiar with uh, new people and stuff like that. And I just wish that more people would have the boldness to do that, um, and just and this, and especially like what you what you've done is just like you've gone to a place where you don't know anybody and I. And I just think that's a good thing because you're not meeting people constantly that are, I mean, I know you have like the social media thing and stuff, but like, sure. um, you're not, you're not constantly being bombarded like about, oh, well, I mean, that's why I moved. This and, that's yeah. why I moved because yeah. I couldn't, I, I can't, and listen, uh, most of the people in Sacramento are unbelievably supportive of me. I mean, they, I, I have the, the, and I will never, ever, ever forget forget the support that I've received and still receive from the people in Northern California. But uh -huh. it was a daily reminder of what happened to me and I needed to get away from that. And uh -huh. so I chose South Florida because every time I come here, you know, my wife and I have always loved coming here and we decided to make the move here. And I will tell you in retrospect, you know, moving here was great for me in the sense of the new friendships that I have and the new people. But I didn't want to leave Sacramento. I basically was forced to leave Sacramento. I didn't mm -hmm. want to lose my job. I love my jobs. So, I mean, you know, I'm not happy. I'm not grateful for any of that. I mean, what happened to me was wrong. And I think that right. the vast majority of people, black and white, uh, understand that what happened to me uh, was wrong. I mean, again, I've I, everyone that I'm friends with down here that are people of color, they know all about my story now. They know everything. And only one person, only one of very many uh, understood why I lost my job. All the others said they couldn't believe it, that I should not have lost my job and have been very supportive of me. And so it's not just white people that are supportive of me. It's people of all races. And I'm grateful for that. Yeah. And I just feel like, uh, well, and here's another thing, too. Um, so I like to spend time around elderly people. And I think that they get frustrated with young people like, I mean, not not, not me, but necessarily. But like when they see lazy people, because they had to work hard for, I mean, I'm talking about people like and that live, that uh, grew up in the great depression era and stuff like that. And they get frustrated with lazy people. Sure. Uh, they do. Well, think about this. Today is the 80th anniversary of Pearl Harbor, right? So yeah. you think about that generation. And I remember cause my dad was in the Pacific theater. My dad was at Yankee or excuse me. My dad was at the polo grounds on December 7th, 1941, watching the New York giants, 
play the Brooklyn Dodgers in football, not baseball, football, okay, at the Polo Grounds, December 7th, mm-hmm. 1941. My dad was 15 years old and was at that game. Three years later, he was in the Pacific Theater. But what I also learned is my aunt, who was working, stopped to go work in a factory uh, to make supplies for our troops. So you think about the Great Depression, you think about the World Wars, where everybody got off their ass and did something to help out their country, right? Everyone. I mean, if you could breathe, you could walk, you were going to work for your country. And that, so you're right. Um, There is a lot of laziness right now, but it's also a lot has to do with, you know, computers and cell phones and games. And, you know, there's a reason for that. There's also, you know, not to go off on another tangent, but um, Eric Burns was on my podcast and, you know, the former MLB player did a triathlon across America where he swam from San Francisco to Oakland, rode a bike from Oakland to Chicago, and then ran a marathon, a long marathon from Chicago to New York. And he was bringing awareness to child obesity and all of the uh, physical fitness programs that have been cut uh, across this country. And what a shame it is that now our youth, they have very few opportunities the way that I did. I don't know what your age is, but I'm 62. I'm, we had a we had a multitude of uh, activities. We were never sitting inside. Never. I don't ever recall coming home from school and sitting inside. We were always out playing baseball or football or basketball or and we were, you know, th- and we were in school involved programs and that doesn't exist anymore. And so what happens? Our children are in homes. They're getting obese. They are playing video games and mm-hmm. they develop a lazy habit. Not everyone, but a lot of people. So yeah, I'm right. with you on that. I think you're spot on. I'm, I'm 25, but I, um, I just, there's a generation gap and I feel like the way that we could close the gap, I mean, not even just in that uh, scenario, but I just feel like in general, like we just need to be willing to communicate with people because that's just how we, and ask questions like you're doing because that's just how we will ever get to learn you know and stuff and so yeah well hey i really appreciate your phone call it was awesome and uh you know feel free to ask me uh questions again but i i really enjoyed this conversation thank you yeah no problem take care that's good stuff that really is and that's why you know it's another reason why i love being on a live app like this because we can talk about sports, but I mean, I can't break down the new England Buffalo game for, you know, 45 minutes. You know what I'm saying? And there's not a lot of other things that are really going on right now in sports. And, you know, I do a show. I just did a show this afternoon again with Sean Salisbury. Uh, We do a show on Tuesdays and Thursdays on uh, no filter network. And I started off uh, the show today by reading a message that I received from a fan of mine and I wanted Sean to hear it because Sean is a huge, huge proponent of uh, helping homeless people. Uh, And he backs up his words with actions. Matter of fact, I'm going to, as soon as I get done with this, I'm going to uh, put today's show up on my YouTube channel. Uh, So if you get an opportunity, uh, check it out. All right. Check it out if you get an opportunity. All right, let's move along here as you're listening uh, to Listen App on this Tuesday, and we get to Jay. Hello, Jay. How are you today? Hey, Grant, doing great. Hey, that good, good job by Preston there. That was that was great conversation. Awesome. Hey, I co- really enjoyed it. Yeah, good stuff. Hey, hey, a couple of thoughts, and um, then then we'll jump into some some sports things. You know, um, you, the story you you said about that you relate about I, I, Isaiah. You know. The, the, that kind of thing is disheartening, is disheartening and sad, you know. But um, I, I, I put it more on there's a, a training issue and an ignorance issue by the the officers that were in play there, and you know that goes to the leadership of of what's happening at that police force, and certainly those things those things need to be worked through and you know a, a guy like isaiah who's de- who dedicated his life to this country it's it's just sad that he has to experience something like that it's um awful. It, it, it it is awful um and and i pray that it's that it's those are those are more one-offs and they're and with um some some effort by the le- by leadership those those one-offs can be fixed and um uh, and Isaiah's faith can be re- restored because then you turn around in the story you tell of, of Roberto, you know, just yep. classic, you know, great, great stuff. And, um, 
you know, love love to hear stories like that. You know, I've I've lived outside of this country for a couple of years. You know, back in my early twenties, and you know, in, unless you've actually lived outside of this country for an extended period of time, or you've been outside of this country for an extended period of time, you don't realize how good we have it, and uh, the issues so that true. we have. And the issues that we have are self-induced and they're so unnecessary. Um, and, uh, you know, I, I just feel like it's, 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 it's leadership, it's lack of leadership at the highest levels uh, that, you know, without getting political folks, folks are going to have to recognize where those things are coming from and, and make, and make changes at the ballot box to, to fix that down the road. Um, you know, it, there was uh, one of the, a, a guy from your old radio station, uh, heavily followed. You know, posted something on social media the other day that was very offensive. You know, he was he was mocking um, a congressman with the the, the Second Amendment, and uh, I guarantee you that nothing is going to come of that. Uh, but if if because because he was fulfilling a, a a very left-leaning agenda that you know Bonneville seems to support, and if that had been if he'd posted something opposite of that, he probably could he probably would have lost his job. And you know, not that I'm calling for that at all. I, I don't think anybody should lose their job over their opinions. But sure. um, uh, you know, there there's still there's still a lot of work that needs to happen in those areas. And, and uh, love, love that you are allowing us to have these type of conversations on your on your outlet here. Yeah. Well, listen, if we can't communicate and we can't exchange uh, opinions and uh, issues facing our country, then you know why why even go on the air? You know what I'm saying? I mean, we need dialogue in this country. We need constructive conversations, and we we also be have to be able to criticize one another openly without hating that person and without being you know venomous and and and. Uh, casting aspersions and everything. It's just, you know, we, we need to do better, man. We just need to do better. Yeah, exactly. And, and you know what, Grant, in, you're, you're, you're part of the solution. And, you know, when, when you're in the middle of it, 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 it may not seem like you are, but you are. And there's people that, you know, now are talking about even your situation that didn't know about it a year ago. And, right. and they're, they're not, they're not, they're not into sports and they, they don't know. And, and, but you know it's it's getting out there and, it, and, it's, and it's getting around. So um, you know, ho- hopefully things continue to go in that right direction. So hey, on the on the COVID front um, yes. again, and this is this is not a, a political thing. And you know, you, you know my background. I I, I work in an industry that uh, is vaccine heavy, vaccine centric, and, and I and I'm and I'm vaccinated. Um, so this I'm not pro. I'm not against. Sure. But but um, all the all the all the NBA and the NFL and Major League Baseball, they, they just need to look at the stats a little bit. So who are the number one, what is the number one category of players that are testing positive right now? Is it vaccinated or is it unvaccinated? <laughs> and, um, you know, I think the, what the Hornets have five or six folks that are in yes. COVID protocols. And, you know, every every day we open up, you know, we open up the see the news sure. and, you know, there, there's more and more from, from the NFL, NBA, yes. you know. Every day. It, it, every, every day, right? So yep. <clears throat> hockey, um, there have been several hockey games that have been postponed because teams have too many cases of COVID. Yes, you're absolutely correct. Right. So, so you know, um, the, if that's the case, right. and, and we all know that, you know, that a vaccinated person that tests positive does shed the virus. So we, we, we know that that's right. a scientific fact. Yes. Um, so, all right. Well, we also know that the vac- there, there's a valid place for the vaccine in, in controlling this, in this problem. It's not a black or white thing. It's not good or bad. It's just, it's just another solution. But when you have a vaccine that you, that folks still can catch it and they can still spread it, um, you know, should there really be strong mandates? And I, and I understand that, you know, the, the, so, to some degree, the, the NFL and the NBA, they're following laws that, that they don't have sure. a say in, but, but they're also creating some of their own um, rules and regulations. And, and I'm a firm believer that, hey, if you work for somebody and this is the rule, hey, just be straight up with where you're at with it. You either accept it or you don't accept yeah, right. it. Yep. You're, yep. you're getting paid. But 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 some I, I think that you know when the seasons are when the seasons over, these these commissioners they really need to look at their protocols and say, all right, well, do these things make sense? Um, you know, it, what's the science? What's what's the legal side of the fence? You know, because they 
they're dictating policy more based on politics than they are based on what makes sense. And um, I, I think they just, I think they need to look at it more from a what makes sense, where we're at. You know, every month we know more than the month before. So, you know, it's dynamic. Things change. It's, it's okay to adjust policies and protocols and procedures, not necessarily say we were right or wrong, but we just need to adjust for where we're at today. And I think the the pro sports really need to take a look at that. Well, we definitely live in a, a crazy world. And as you said, things are changing every day. And what is normal today may not be normal in four weeks from now. I mean, that, just like, you know, you never know what's on the horizon as it relates to new variant. I mean, think about this. Okay. So the new variant comes out. We find out about it a little more than a week ago. And Japan, all right, Japan just closes their borders down just like that. Boom. Borders closed. So Travelers can't go into Japan. They can't leave Japan. So if you're an international traveler now, you can't enter Japan. The borders are closed. Now, obviously, if you're a Japanese citizen, you can. But so and, and then I just told you what Canada is doing. And I told you, you know, I think last week I talked about Israel's doing. So, you know, th we're living in a different world. And I, I guess the other part of this, as far as being vaccinated or not, as it relates to the travel industry, you really can't go anywhere outside of this country without being vaccinated, unless you're prepared to quarantine for, in many instances, 14 days in a government-approved facility when you land in that country. And who wants to do that, right? So, I mean, the travel industry, once again, I was just reading this today because obviously we're getting ready for the holidays and peak travel, but I was just reading today on a couple of travel websites that they're already seeing bookings being reduced and people canceling because of this very thing. So, you know, I don't know what the end result is, but again, what, what is normal today may not be normal when we hit the first of the year. Yeah. A hundred, a hundred percent. Hey, um, sw switching over to some, some, uh, actual sports. Yes. Um, <laughs> so I was dead wrong on, on the Alabama Georgia game. Uh, I, I, it, it looked like a different Alabama team out there. Yes. And, um, do you put that more on on Saban uh, being able to make adjustments, or um, uh, was Georgia was did we just think Georgia was better than we thought they were? No, I thought the coaching staff had a great game plan. Alabama, I thought Bill O'Brien. You know, I was talking with Sean Salisbury about this today, and he, he knows a lot more about play calling than I do. He thought it was the best game that he's called in many years on any level of football. He thought it was a brilliant game plan. Uh, obviously, the offensive line did a tremendous job. I thought that the uh, running back, Brian Robinson, who stayed in a lot, the pass block did a great job. And let's face it, you know, Bryce Young's the best quarterback in the country. And if you give him time, uh, he's going to get the job done. So it was a, I, I do think coaching had a lot to do with the game. I also think, you know, I think the fact that so many people like yourself and me thought Alabama was going to lose and Georgia was going to prevail. I think that really fueled them. I think Alabama being an underdog really got them going. You know, I, I made this comment to Sean today, and I don't know how you feel about this, but leading up to the game on Saturday, the vast majority of people, experts and not non-experts, did not give Alabama much of a chance. Should they end up playing again in a couple of weeks for the national championship, there will be very few of those pundits and fans that will give Georgia a chance. It will be just the opposite. It will just be the opposite if these two teams play again for the national championship. Oh no! Yeah, a hundred percent. You know, I I had I I am an Al, a, a pretty good Alabama fan, and you know, watching watching this season, I felt like okay, this this team has taken a step back. They're they're good, but they're not national championship good. And I thought it would be I thought Georgia was going to beat them, and they were going to be on the bubble for even making the being able to get into the finals, depending on how some other teams go. And as we sit here today, I I would have. If I were to put money on it, I'd have to bet on Alabama. I, they, yep. they just look like they—they they look like they figured it out, and you know they, they did lose um, a, you know, a wide, yep. yeah they used, lost that wide receiver, but but um, you know they 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 for someone to go, for them to put 41 points up on supposedly the best defense in college football this year just tells you something, and um, yeah um, you know, it, it it'll it'll be fun to it'll be fun to watch out. Hey, um, uh, real quick, then I'll let you go. Today, I think um, uh, it was announced that Sabonis and Turner are, are on the are on the block. What's your take on that? Uh, I didn't even see that. So Sabonis of the Pacers and Turner are on the block. 
Yeah. I, yeah. I love both those guys. I, I, I'm, I'm wondering why that is. That's interesting to me. I'm a big fan of Sabonis. I, I, every time I watch him play, uh, I just come away impressed and Turner, obviously, but that's surprising to me. I, I, you know, not everyone loves playing for Rick Carlisle. I will just tell you that I've heard that in other, and again, he's a tremendous coach. He won over 50 games in Detroit, 50 plus games in Indiana, won a championship with Dallas. He's a good, very good coach, but you know, he's not the easiest guy in the world to play for. And I wonder if that has something to do with it. Yeah, I, I think it was Shams that that put some. I think it was Shams. I might have been Woj, but it was one of those guys that 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 put something out there. And of course, uh, everybody went crazy for either the uh, move to the Warriors. Uh, you know, and of course, the Kings, the Queen, Kings Twitter went crazy on um, on speculation there. But yeah, I'm with you. I like I like Sabonis much more than than Turner. I do like Turner, but I, you know, if if some if the Kings were to go after somebody, I would sure like I would sure love to see Sabonis in the Kings uniform. Well, uh, that'll be interesting to follow uh, because the one thing, you know, the Kings should win tomorrow against Orlando. The Orlando's could be the worst team in basketball. And then the Kings get a break. They open up a really tough road trip Friday against Charlotte. And again, you know, with LaMelo Ball and five other guys on COVID protocol, they should be able to go in there and win that game. You know, should. But I mean, we are talking about the Kings, but they should. So, <laughs> right. Uh, right. We'll see. Hey, Jay, it's good hearing from you. Thank you very All much. Right, man. Thanks. Good call right there. Uh, if you want to get on before we adjourn, all you have to do is raise your hand uh, and we will uh, put you uh, right on. But really enjoyed, really have enjoyed the phone calls today. Uh, thank you very much. I, I really, really uh, enjoy. So long, everybody. Oh, there I'm back. Uh, sorry about that. We had a little issue. We lost you for a minute. I'm just letting you know we're wrapping it up today. I want to thank you for your calls. I want to thank you for listening. I really enjoyed this show today. It's great to kind of talk about some other things in addition to sports. I thought we really had some good interaction today. So that's what I'm really looking for in the show, sports. And then let's talk about real life. Let's try to, you know, make it uh, a better place for everyone. All right. So thank you very much. I really appreciate everything. And I'll talk to you tomorrow uh, beginning at 3 o'clock right here. Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day, a little. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. BTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Lucky Land Casino. Asking people, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.